0: Welcome to Oh My Dollar, a personal finance show with a dash of glitter. Dealing with money can be scary and stressful. Here we give practical, friendly advice about money that helps you tackle the financial overwhelm. Here's your host, Lillian Kerbick.
1: And that was Will Romy, your producer and co-host. So today, do you have a new graduate in your life? Maybe that graduate is you. When you graduate from college, for some, it can be challenging to figure out how to transition into the world of managing your own money and into full-time jobs. So today we've kind of prepared some things I wish I had known or some general advice for transitioning into your first adulting year. So I was lucky enough that I actually worked full-time before I went to college, um, and I supported my own living expenses all through school by working several jobs since I didn't go to college until I was in my mid-20s. So my transition was a little less jarring for me, um, but there's still that like weird void that opens up when you stop focusing on the goal of graduation, and then you all of a sudden are like, Flump! you have to deal with the day-to-day of your financial life outside of kind of the university bubble hmm. And I know for a lot of people, it kind of feels like you can hit pause when you're in pursuit of a degree and trying to finish up school. And then the day after graduation, it's like someone has snuck in and hit play on your financial life. And all of a sudden you have to sort everything out. So, yeah, there's a couple suggestions. Will, did you you went to college at a kind of traditional age, right?
0: Yep. I went to college. I graduated when I was God, 21. Twenty-two.
1: So, what did what did life look for 21. you that first year after? What did your money look like?
0: Uh, money was pretty absent dealing with dealing with all the post-college stuff, dealing with housing off campus was was I was on campus for the full four years. I actually got evicted from the first house before I had moved in whoa that was yeah <laughs> Shout so were out you, to was Erica. it like a roommate situation and <laughs> it was then... a roommate situation it was a dog situation it was a number of things it was a landlord situation it all worked out fine but <laughs> it was an exciting moment i had some part-time work but sort of transitioning from going to classes all the time to working full-time was, was took 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 a moment to to logistically figure out
1: yeah, it took me almost a year to find a uh, full-time job after graduation. And I was working like five jobs, some of which I had had when I was in school, and then other ones that I had kind of picked up once I graduated. And, you know, we're, we're both of the generation that graduated into uh, the worst recession since the Great Depression. And uh, finding a job, let alone uh, in Oregon, uh, was really challenging. Oregon is until recently never had a particularly great job economy in modern times and for me figuring out my money was it was less like I was you know brand new and green I was in my late 20s when I graduated but I I sort of had to deal with the like oh you don't have the excuse that you're in college anymore and you'll figure it out later like while you're in pursuit of this job you can't just put push things off to the side the way that maybe you you did when you were in college and I think that is one of the things that gets people really caught up in a ball of anxiety when mm-hmm. they graduate is this kind of feeling like they, they went from being able to put things off to they have to figure everything out right now and it's important to remember that that is less true than you think. This all, this stuff is all a process. Even people that you see that you feel like have it figured out, that are you know maybe a little later in life, and you're like, oh, they're very good at adulting. They have their money together. They probably didn't wake up one day and have it all immediately figured out. Yeah, yeah. So give yourself a little bit of a break. But there's a couple things that uh, I think are really important to focus on in the first couple months after graduation. So the first big one is figuring out how much you owe and making a plan for it. Mm -hmm. So if you have any other student, if you have student loans or any other debt, make sure you understand the terms of your loans and how much you owe total. So I know a lot of people that like even if they maybe were throwing some money at their loans or they never they didn't take out all the loans they were offered, they really have no idea how much it is total. And or maybe they borrowed some amount, but didn't really realize how much the interest added. So the first thing is to just get a handle on what that total amount is, what and who you owe. So the way loans work in the U.S. is quite often they're split up between multiple providers. So for your federal loans, meaning non-private ones, the best place is to go to the National Student Loan Data System or NSLDS. Uh, Depending on the type of loans or grants that you got in college, you should have to do what's called exit counseling. And depending on your state, you may be required to get what's called a debt letter, which is a letter stating how much you owe in debt. That isn't. Neither of those things are universally great or well enforced at different college campuses. Some colleges do amazing exit counseling where they sit down with you and they walk through what you owe and what the different repayment types are. Some people uh, just make you uh, click through a couple boxes on a website in order to graduate, and it might not actually be filled with information. So you actually have to take initiative in a lot of situations. Um, you will need to know your FSA ID, which is the what you log into FAFSA with. Um, this is really important because you're going to use it to access the various government websites that show you your federal loans. If you don't remember your FSA ID or it can't you can't find it, you can always reset it at studentaid.ed.gov, or you can call one eight hundred 4 Fed Aid and they'll walk you through it. This is the thing, once you know how much you owe, you need to get yourself set up on a payment plan within a few months of graduation. Usually you have about six months from graduating from full-time study um, before you're actually going to have to start paying, but you should set up the payment plan immediately. Even if your income is zero, you'll still need to opt into a payment plan though. So most new graduates, especially if they haven't found kind of their career job yet, will choose income-based repayment or income-contingent repayment plans, (laughs) uh, which are called IBR or ICR. Um, And that will set the amount you pay each month to percentage of your discretionary income. They have a formula they use. So if you are unemployed, you're still looking for a job, or you're working extremely part-time, it's very likely that your IBR payment will be $0. Um, But you will be considered good making making your payment each month if you get set up on that plan.
0: Right. Instead of paying zero dollars and defaulting. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) So it's really important that you don't ignore your loans because that will send you into default. Um, I know a lot of people that are like, oh, I have six months and then they totally forget at that six month point and they don't set up a repayment plan. And they're like, oh, I'm unemployed. I'm just worrying about getting food on the table. I'm not going to worry about the student loans. But if you just set up that IBR or that ICR payment, you will be considered making good on your payments, even if the payment is $0 a month. So it's important to get yourself set up on that. Um, Just set it up, uh, set it on auto payment, get done with it. Once you've got your income worked out, you know, for me, it took me almost a year after graduation to land that full time $15 an hour job living the good life. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but once you've got your income worked out, you should figure out how much you can actually pay towards your debt each month. And then set that on auto pay and start hustling, whatever you need to do. Once you've got your income worked out, you should figure out how much you can actually afford to pay on your debt each month. Um, and then set it on auto pay and start like hustling to pay it off. You might be able to pay off your student loans sooner than the standard 10-year repayment plan. If you're on IBR, uh, usually the repayment plan is stretched to 20 years. Once you've kind of got money set up, but it's important to think about that kind of as you get that income, because one of the things I've noticed is if you've been uh, previously not paying a ton on your student loans or, uh, you know, your repayment amount is much lower than what you could actually afford is that other expenses will fill that void right Right. (laughs) but if you set up from the beginning and go like no I am gonna pay $400 a month on my student loans you can really set up your budget to accommodate that if you start with the you know idea that like yes I do want to get these paid off in five years or seven years and The next thing is really related to that, which is figuring out a budgeting system that works for you and sticking with it. And this is so important. If you didn't kind of start budgeting while you were in college, um, I don't care what system you use. There's a ton of different budgeting apps. There's Facebook bots that will text you telling you that you're spending too much or too little money on certain things. Um, I really don't care what system you use, the cash based envelope method, a spreadsheet, you need a budget.com you know mint whatever it is come up with a system that works for you Um, and my book get your money together will walk you through some of the different kind of personality types and budgeting that might work with you and the first one you try might not work (laughs) if you start trying to budget and you notice you're not sticking to it it's not something you're actively engaging with then maybe try a different one maybe it doesn't work for you just because your you know friend or your boyfriend uses a certain type of budgeting um, method it doesn't necessarily mean it works for you and your brain but if you start out early with a system that works for you you are so far ahead of the curve yeah (laughs) Uh, it makes a huge difference um you know i i was pretty good at saving money but i look back at kind of the money that i wasted on things in my early 20s that if i had just been able to find a system that had worked as well for me then like oh man i i could have done a lot more with that (laughs)
0: yeah oh yeah no there's a lot of there's a lot of look, look, looking back in retrospect moments with the early 20s, I think.
1: <laughs> yeah, I recently was trying to add up how much I'd spent at various bars that are now market-rate apartments um, in Portland for a map I'm making, uh, since a lot of old dive bars that I used to spend a lot of time at are now uh, market-rate apartments or condos. Uh-huh.
0: Probably enough for a month or two in an apartment.
1: <laughs> but it was a little terrifying to see, yeah, how much I had spent, uh, especially when I was making a lot of cash um and so you know cash just kind of flies through my hands we've talked about this before it's hard for me to i a lot of people that have worked service industry it's kind of their fun money uh their tips and uh i look back and go oh man you know (laughs)
0: uh,
1: there's things i could have done with that so getting a system together for budgeting just be mindful about your money just pay attention to it if you haven't really set up systems for paying attention to it next getting your stuff happens fund together
0: yeah stuff will happen out of college it will I've happen it.
1: it that is like the life right you might get evicted before you even move yeah. in <laughs> uh more important than absolutely anything else when you get out of school is getting yourself some court side type of savings buffer if you don't already have one pick up odd jobs save your tax refund maybe get your income based repayment set up and then the first couple months that you would have done your student loan payments instead before you hit that six month period where you need grace period you instead save that money and have a little bit of buffer for yourself um you know if you got graduation present gifts of checks Whatever you need to do to get that one month buffer in place, it makes so much difference. Moving cities, starting a new job and needing to replace your college wardrobe of ripped jeans and hoodies, uh, (laughs) you know, with professional clothes. This stuff can all be expensive and it can end up really eating away your savings goals. But having that savings fund can make so much difference in your life and your stability. It can help you walk away from bad relationships, from crappy jobs, it might help with an emergency root canal, turning your power back on when you have a deadbeat roommate, any of these things, it's totally worth it. That emergency fund, that savings buffer, will make a huge difference in your life. Yeah, And so few people prioritize it in their early 20s, right when they get out, that savings can really set you apart. That makes sense. Simple. Set all the things on auto pay. (laughs) This (laughs) makes a huge difference. Do not get in a situation where you simply forget to make payments. I know so many people that have destroyed their credit um, not because they didn't have the money available but because they just forgot <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Set your rent on auto pay. If you don't have a if you have a landlord that still takes checks, make it so that your most banks will send a check to your landlord for you. Just set up your rent on auto pay. Um, set your utilities on auto pay. Don't have your internet get shut off because your roommate forgot to pay it. I have <laughs> been there. Um- You know, Make sure your student loans are set on auto pay so you don't accidentally go into default. Set absolutely anything you can on auto pay and get it done. And for the stress level, this is where having that savings buffer can make a huge difference. Because if you know that you've got one month's expenses in that checking account as your buffer, that means it's really easy to set things on auto pay without freaking out. Right,
0: and not have to worry about uh, overdrafting or
1: something. Yeah uh oh, overdraft yeah
0: don't do that either there's another lesson from my early 20s yes
1: <laughs> i uh you will quickly discover what happens when your savings account gets converted to a checking account if you have overdraft protection <laughs> set up or those fees they can really pile yeah. up or so, both yeah. yeah all of those things all right and this is a big one and i think it's probably the hardest for a lot of people which is avoiding lifestyle creep So when you're getting started in your life after graduation, you have an awesome opportunity to set yourself up for an affordable and comfortable life if you don't get caught up in that rat race of buying things to keep up with your peers. There are three big factors in every um, college graduate's budget that have to do with how you start out and what you expect. Transportation, housing, and food. A lot of people end up in their housing and transportation by default, they don't really think about it. They kind of just, you know, get whatever apartment in whatever neighborhood they kind of feel like thought that they should. Uh-huh. And they really fail to consider the relationship between housing and transportation. Um, and they might want cheaper housing, but don't realize that that means spending a ton of money on subway tickets or gas to get to work because they have to be far out for that. Or they want a short commute, but are paying through the nose for a central apartment. Or they don't realize that they're going to be staying late at work every night, and they're always going to miss the last bus, so they're going to be paying a ton for Ubers and Lyft rides, and that ends up negating the savings on an apartment. Um, you know, they a lot of people will end up getting a car by default. Maybe they'll even get a car as a graduation gift, or they went to school in a small town where having a car was not that expensive, and they'll take it with them to the big city. Um, you know, really remember that owning a car, even if the car is a gift still costs money it costs money in insurance parking gas and fees So make sure you have the real life numbers about owning a car instead of just this vague idea that adults own cars. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because it it could actually be a curse and not a blessing to you, a free car, depending on where you end up moving to. You might want to look into getting a car to go or a REACH membership instead of owning a car. Just run the numbers. I'm not saying that owning a car is necessarily the wrong idea for you, but this is this opportunity to not take things by default. You're young. You can kind of design your life as much as lifestyle design sounds like (laughs) terrible marketing, but you, you really can think about your life in this holistic way, and you've got this opportunity to try things out and see what works. There's really good deals to be found in every city with some patience on housing and transportation, and how you set up your life for a commute can make a huge difference. So being located in a bikeable or walkable distance from work can save you hundreds of dollars a month, Yep. or planning your housing to be mm-hmm. close to the light rail so you don't always have to drive could make a huge uh, difference in your quality of life. Also, a lot of folks get into nesting mode after graduation. Uh, I think a lot of this is propelled by like, you know, television shows where you see people with an unattainable quality of life in their (laughs) (laughs) mid-20s but my advice is to put off the expensive furnishings and even like the brand new Ikea furniture for a little bit and not rush into decisions about like nesting and homemaking about a fifth of college graduates will move states in the two years after graduation and the average American 20-something moves every nine months (laughs) wow because
0: they get evicted for some dumb reason (laughs)
1: Yeah stuff like that or um you know if you spend a large percentage of your disposable income on furniture or curtains you're actually just increasing your moving costs every time yep. you move um so really really think about um you know putting it off for a little while
0: and no one actually likes those on chairs
1: <laughs> you always think they look really good but it turns out they only look good in catalog yeah, they're pages they're for cats and small dogs <laughs> Uh, This also goes for not getting the fanciest apartment you can afford right out of the gate. So um, I am a huge fan of housing is such a large percentage of young people's budgets. Uh, Try to underspend on housing a little bit after graduation, at least for a little while. If you're not earning a lot, this might still mean that housing takes up a lot of your income if you're in a big city. But don't get yourself locked into a $3,000 a month apartment just because you scored a fancy job at a new city and you felt like you could afford it. <laughs> um, you know, It's less important to keep up with your peers than it is to make sure to get yourself on solid financial footing. And the more you spend on housing in the early 20s, it's the harder it's going to be for you to adjust those housing preferences later if you realize you need a little bit more room in the budget. It's better to spend a little less on housing, maybe even sublet for a bit and figure out where you kind of want to be and figure out where you're happiest living. And uh, this also goes for not rushing into buying a place. (laughs) Right. No,
0: that makes sense before you get get tied into all that.
1: Oh, man. I like I feel like the first question people get after they, you know, get married or get engaged is like, when are you going to buy a house? It's okay to take a little bit of time and rent even sublet to really figure out where you want to be. We did a uh, whole
0: episode on this recently.
1: Yeah, bu- buying a house iffy is is rough, <laughs> but selling a house um especially if you are a, not on sil- solid financial footing can really be incredibly stressful. Um and so it's important to realize that it's not an asset you can just sell on Craigslist the next day. <laughs> right. <laughs> so um And, you know, spend a little bit of time settling into a new job or city, building up your emergency, your stuff happens fund and paying off your student loans before you start trying to live like the people you see on television. (laughs) No, the apartments on every television show are not realistic for their circumstances. (laughs) No, well,
0: no sets ever. I was just really annoyed the other day when I was watching a show taking place on an old whaling ship and everyone's like walking around and they can all stand up and no just don't trust sets I think
1: that was a very will example to be like oh on a whaling ship they had an impractical uh you know I you don't need
0: to get the biggest whaling ship you can afford right off the (laughs) bat out of college there's plenty of time to upgrade maybe just get a little rowboat and row it to work every day
1: yeah well and that's I mean one of the things is like if you can manage to keep living like a college student or you know a poor whaler uh you will... also don't be
0: a whaler. Let's <laughs> let's just talk back about the whole one back. Merchant
1: <laughs> Marines do make good money, but I don't know about whalers. Um, but if you can like kind of keep living like a college student, even just for another year after graduation, you're going to have a way better idea of what things you enjoy splurging on instead of just what Instagram is telling you to buy. Um, and what things maybe you don't actually need. Like maybe you really need to upgrade your futon to a real mattress for your back, but you actually don't care about having a washer dryer in your unit because you don't do laundry that often or whatever. Like there's everybody has different trade offs in their budget, but it's hard to really know when you've been kind of stuck in the university bubble. It's also really easy to get caught up into the race to the bottom with finances. Your friends and frenemies that buy nice bags or plane tickets or fancy shoes or even a fancy car just a few months after graduation and spend all their time showing them off on social media. It's so easy to get caught up in the comparison. I even still do it now and you know think that you need to buy those things for yourself to really have adulted. Here's the thing. You have no idea how those folks are paying for those things. Perhaps they have parental support. Maybe they have a trust fund. Or maybe may- they stole them. Maybe they stole them. Or maybe they're just up to their eyes in credit card debt. You really do not know. But don't go into debt buying things you can't afford and especially things you don't need. So this is very boring. But make sure you contribute to your retirement up to, ma- up to the match if you're offered it. Yeah. We've talked about this before, but it's free money. <laughs> yeah,
0: and it seems like the sooner you start putting money into those accounts, the better they're going to do.
1: Oh, so great. To I was very lucky that I started saving for retirement when I was uh, 20 years old and in AmeriCorps, and I put $50 a month aside, and I did not change that amount all through my 20s, and it's made a huge difference. My retirement account is double what it was just from my contributions alone even though I was putting that money in during the recession where some years I saw it go down and, you know, I was stressed about it. And I've never been lucky enough to work somewhere with a match on my retirement. Hashtag millennial. Yeah. But <laughs> same. Uh, but if you do have one, take advantage of it. A lot of places will not emphasize enough how awesome that perk is, but it's free money. It's take it. It's free money for you. Um, and then kind of last, but not least, check in on your credit every so often. Um, so credit scores we've talked about before are not a measure of your financial health, but knowing your credit score can be incredibly helpful. So um, one important thing is that monitoring your credit can also keep you aware of identity theft. So like at this point, almost everybody's information has been leaked in one of the leaks. Yep. Maybe you <laughs> shopped at Target. If you were d- had. Anything in Equifax, which is one of the credit bureaus, it probably got leaked. So it's really, really important these days. And if you're somewhere with a tight rental market, your credit score might actually be important to your ability to rent an apartment. So um, I don't believe in checking on your credit score as a test of am I financially healthy? I have an $800 credit score. But I do think it's important to just be aware of it. Um, And just keep an eye on it. And there's easy ways to do that. Um, Credit Karma, Credit Sesame, and um, everybody is legally allowed to get a copy of their credit report from each of the three bureaus each year at annualcreditreport.com. Um, don't just Google that. Go straight to annualcreditreport.com. Because
0: you'll get to the sketchy stuff. That's yeah. lurking, lurking in the shallows.
1: Uh, there's a lot of places that will try to uh, trick you into giving you your financial information away. Um, one thing you should know is that uh, when you are checking your credit report, they are going to ask you a trick question. Um, and this is to try to verify your identity. So say you were born in 1990, it's going to say, um, you know, it'll ask a question like, we see from your records that you have a mortgage from 1992 and at first you might be like oh my god is there some identity theft on my account <laughs>
0: when I was two yeah. yeah
1: you did not buy a house when you were two um, one of if you get a question that it does not apply to you one of the answers will be available is none of the above so just be aware of that it can um, really trip some people up uh, when they're first checking their credit reports. so um, just answer them to the best of your ability um it might ask you about a bunch of previous addresses too and if you're like me and have moved a lot you might be like oh crap i don't remember what address I I yeah I, uh,
0: I actually recognize them sometimes those tests are an interesting like nostalgia trip
1: yeah sometimes <laughs> i get asked about counties that i used to live in and i'm like oh, oh I don't man know. <laughs> oh man i've lived SLU. a lot of places <laughs> Yeah, we also have some advice from our listeners. I I asked some of our listeners um, what advice they would have given to themselves when they graduated college, and uh, we have a couple of those.
0: Monica says, don't go to grad school right away. If you do, or even if you go later, go only if someone else is paying for it, like an employer, an assistantship, or the military, because very few graduate degrees will land you a job that actually pays enough to pay off your grad school loans.
1: I think rushing into grad school, I went to a very classic liberal arts college, where a lot of people wanted to go to grad school because they felt like they could could keep putting off real life. Yeah, no, that
0: seems like the most compelling reason at this point for me to do the grad school thing. Yeah.
1: Just remember that you are taking out real financial consequences if you're taking out loans for grad school. And there's a lot of ways to go to grad school to get it paid for. I'm a big fan of the wait and pause. And also, if you can work for even a year and save up some money, you're going to be in a better financial position, even if you do have to take out loans. Mike says drive less because cars are a time and money sink and worth rearranging your life to drive as little as possible. He added, I didn't get into biking until my late 20s. Um, that's kind of cool. I, I biked in my early 20s and I never stopped, so. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> same. Dick Cheney and Rex Tillerson have plenty of plenty of my money anyhow. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, Anything you want to add, Will?
0: Uh man, I don't know, being being in your early 20s is is, is iffy and <laughs> good luck. <laughs>
1: I think that there's a lot of relationship advice I could probably give to myself in my early 20s, but that's a different show. Yeah, that would <laughs> <laughs> cool. That wraps our show for today. Our producer is Will Bromey. Our intro music is by Aaron Peraki, And I'm Lillian Kerbake, your personal finance educator and host. Thanks for listening. Until next time, remember to manage your money so it doesn't manage you. Uh, get your money together: The Illustrated Personal Finance Guide to Budgeting Your Money, Smashing Debt, and Saving for Retirement, which is my book, which is Cats Explaining Personal Finance, has actually sold out the first print run, but the next print run is coming in next in a couple weeks. So if you are interested in hopping on that train, you can get a copy of it at omydollar.com/book.